1: Welcome in. we Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, much, much more. It's a seminar weekend. Good chance for you to come out and meet me live. CFP Chad Burton live. In the Bay Area, at the Radisson Hotel, San Jose Airport. Wealth Preservation and Retirement Planning in the morning, from 9 to noon. Money 101, all things financial, in the afternoon from 1 to 4. One of the events are... For people who are cruising towards retirement and have done well in life, that's the morning event. One of the events are for people who are a little bit lost and on their way to work right now, thinking, "I'm going to have to work till the day I die. I need to figure this out sooner rather than later." You can sign up for either or event at robblack.com at robblack.com. Let's take a look at the markets today. See what we got going on. The day after a vice presidential debate, which I found humorous which I don't think you're supposed to find presidential debates and vice presidential debates humor-filled. SP S&P 500 up four. The NASDAQ up eight. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 55 points today. A uh, little start of the week was on the uh, sell-off side, worry side. End of the week is on the, hey, it's earnings season side and end of the year side. And we may want to rally. We may want to rally. That's kind of what's going on in the market at this point in time. Joining me today, CFP, Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton?
2: Great. Looking forward to Saturday. Are you?
1: No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> you and I, we both do these events. because
2: I feel like I'm supposed to, right?
1: The moment we do the events, we're like, I'm never doing a Saturday ever again. So um, fiscal cliff pressure is starting to build on the market. It's starting to come up in conversations with average Joes, with vice presidents, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. stock people. Uh, What's your thoughts on the fiscal cliff angle?
2: Well, I think we're going to hear a lot of it in terms of what the CEOs are saying, because what it looks like to me, and Wells Fargo I thought would be a little bit more, um, but what it looks like to me is that the bar is set extremely low for third quarter earnings. It's set in the dirt. I mean, if you remember a couple months ago, uh, companies were coming out and guiding lower. Yep. And so they were setting the bar really low in order to be able to come out and beat it. So what we're going to see is we're going to see flat revenues from a period this time last year to this year. The comps are pretty tough. And it was it was interesting to see last quarter. You're not, seeing, you're not hearing many CEOs talk about the fiscal cliff. Now that's what is the main driver of things being very slow. And to me, if we get this fiscal cliff dealt with, and politicians on both sides of the fence know that we have to, every economist agrees that a fiscal cliff goes into play right along with you know, kind of phase two of Affordable Care Act at the same time, we'll probably be in a recession next year. But I don't see it happening. I see it being dealt with in some way, shape, or form, whether it's, you know, kick down the road another year. Um, but if we get this kind of this path that we're going on in Europe where they're dealing with their problems, it's going to take a while for them to get together. If we get the fiscal cliff removed and if we get an administration that's real kind of small business friendly, I think it's time to be buying small caps if that happens. I've been underweight small caps for two years because large caps have been outperforming, but I think there's going to be an opportunity here soon.
1: There's a little bit of news out this morning. J.P. Morgan, which beat by 19 cents, strong mortgage business activity. It overshadows the revenue warning of advanced micro devices. Back to Wells Fargo, you brought it up. They beat by a penny, stock trading down about 2%. It's up 20% since June. So it's almost a, you know, unless they made hay into gold, It's pretty plausible that some people would take some profits, especially with um, concerns about the slowdown. But, again, they're in the right business right now. They're in the business of mortgage refinances, and that's probably the hottest, sexiest sector in the United States.
2: Yeah, and then you wonder after we get the next couple of years where everybody's refinanced and we get to how are banks going to make money with low-interest rate environment. We'll see how they do in a couple of years.
1: Dollar Tree got in the way of a rebound this morning, Um, basically warning, a striking earnings warning out of Dollar Tree. Fiscal Cliff commentary out last night from White House Chief of Staff Erskine Bowles, former Republican Senator Alan Simpson, CEO of Goldman Sachs Lloyd Blankfein, all basically sobering up the market. As uh, you know, we're starting to talk a little bit more about it. Vice Presidential debate last night that divide between the Republicans and Democrats is plain to see. And it sure enough, you know, it, it, it reassures me that Congress is not going to get
2: along for any time soon. Yeah, you know, it's because. I didn't get to see the vice presidential debates last night. It was one of those uh, deals where I'm flying into SFO, and it didn't work out too well. Yeah. It was a great day at SFO, yesterday. What fool flies into SFO? You know, it's the first I almost always fly into San Jose now. If I'm gonna use yeah. an airport in the Bay Area at San Jose. Russ. The one time let me ask my the one time I got a five hour delay. They almost they canceled the flight I was originally on, and then I had to wait five hours at the airport for another. I think
1: every here. Bay Area native flies into SFO once. And the first time it doesn't work out, it's always Oakland or San Jose from the, then then again. Yeah.
2: yeah. Forevermore. Yes, I know. Bad mistake. So what are you going to be talking about at the seminar tomorrow? Well, what the, the seminar tomorrow, we're going to spend a little bit more time on some of the estate tax laws that are expiring at the end of the year. So people that have large estates really need to come to this because there are certain things that can be done before year end to really save your family millions of dollars in taxes. Because right now, you know, usually you have the ability to only gift away a million dollars while you're alive and right now you can gift over 5 million dollars and you can kind of get that out of your estate now in the form of a type of a trust and as well as all that future growth out of the estate so wealthy families I mean, if you got you know extra couple million bucks which is a great position to be in and you're trying to protect that money so that 2 3 4 5 million doesn't get cut in half with the state taxes when the estate laws tax laws change next year Um, you really want to pay attention to how to do that. Or if you're saying, I've got a decent amount of assets. I want to leave it to my children, but I'm afraid that my kids are going to lose it in a divorce. They're going to get sued. They don't do well with money. They spend too much, and you're trying to figure out how to leave it to them, but leave it to them responsibly so that kids have a way to have some motivation to earn their own way in life. We'll we'll be talking about that. And I give specific examples, too, on how you set up a portfolio to create income and retirement in this I mean, historically low interest rates, how do you do that? We have more volatility in the market now, so when do you rebalance? And I give specific examples on from start to finish. Here's a person, how much they need, how much Social Security they get, what size their portfolio is, and then how we allocate between taxable dollars and retirement dollars.
1: People can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's the Radisson Airport Hotel tomorrow in San Jose. It's one of the last times to meet me and Chad for the year. We'll do one more wealth preservation event, and then we're done for the year, as far as live events going. AMD, um, obviously one of those companies, it's a poor man's Intel. Do you ever see a reason to own a poor man's anything, Chad? Uh,
2: not really, not unless they have some sort of a into a huge product cycle, but you know, Intel's also traded down recently because of fears that they've missed this product cycle, and that Windows 8 won't be as big of a deal as, as some think. So, um, and it probably won't. Yeah, it's the desktop, there's,
1: the, the desktop, and the notebook. No one's go, exactly going, "Mommy, mommy, daddy, I need a new desktop." I know
2: it's it's rough, and the other thing is too is that they're with all the things that are out there, like you know, SkyDrive. Like Microsoft has a SkyDrive, just like the Google Drive. Nobody really knows about it. They don't seem to be marketing it well at all. Um, they're doing well in the cloud, and obviously Xbox is doing extremely well. But <laughs> I mean, come on, they need some new advertising over over at Microsoft. I think. Activision, Blizzard, Electronic Arts in
1: the news today. NPD reported sales of video game hardware and software fell 24% in the month of September from a year level ago. Uh, that's the 10th consecutive month of declining sales. Amazon.com CEO Jeff Bezos tells BBC that the company is selling the Kindle e-reader at cost with profits coming from sales of online content. Interesting stuff. Google share of the market. Let's search up a little bit more. 66.7%. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network.
0: to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and Heart Radio Station.
1: Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. My Twitter handle at Rob Black Show, my YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. My Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. Got a seminar coming up this weekend, tomorrow, San Jose. Last chance to get the Money one-on-one talk that goes from 1 to 4. From 9 to noon, we have the Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event. Um, sign up at robblack.com. Last chance to do it. Sign up at robblack.com. Uh, joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad? Equities may not be the stellar place that they were in the 80s and 90s as far as sex appeal goes, but slow and steady economic growth, healthy company fundamentals, undemanding valuations. I call this almost like a good enough market. It's just good enough for me. Um, I don't see the risk. I don't see the down. I mean, I'm not saying it's all glorious. It's certainly not. But slow and steady economic health, uh, low interest rates, Seven hundred billion dollars going into bonds, three hundred billion dollars coming out of stocks. Just tells me stay with stocks.
2: Yeah, I mean if you look at the trim tabs and the fund flows, the area that scares me the most is the amount of money, the amount of retail money that's flowing into high yield bonds. Grandma and Grandpa think it's safe now to go into you know bonds that are high yield or are still considered junk under a triple B rating. Um, you're hearing companies that are small to mid-sized that are issuing what are considered junk bonds at 5.25%, and they're being bought up, you know, like Girl Scout cookies. And that tells me that the party is almost over in that area. You know, when you get double-digit type returns and bonds, if you get stock-like returns and bonds, you need to peel those gains off the table. And in in terms of risk, you know, I, I look at the market saying, you know, I'm comfortable with equities. I think that we've come a long way off the bottom. I think that the U.S. is trading at levels that are less attractive than overseas, but we're also doing better than overseas. That will eventually sh- switch. I well, mean,
1: overseas are typically export markets and we're typically an import market, so right. we're not having the problems exporting.
2: But eventually those export markets become consumer-based economies, and that's what China's going to really try to do. And so you got stocks over there trading at nine times earnings and higher dividend yields. And so their the, the time to build positions in that area, I think, is now for the next three to five years. I don't think you're going to... Look to build positions in that area for the next three months of returns. But in the long term, I think you're going to make a lot of money over there. There's some thought
1: on the street, Chad, that China is civil unrest at 7% economic growth. Mm -hmm. That they don't have a consumer base at 7%. That they can only get a consumer base at 8% growth.
2: Yeah, but if you look at the debt of that country versus the debt of the U.S., they have so much gasoline they can put on the fire. And right now they're going through an election time, so you're not going to get that. Right now, but you will post. So, hmm. you know, in, in the U.S., you said that in terms of risk of equities, a fiscal cliff is not priced into equities. Everybody believes that at this point that politicians know how bad the fiscal cliff is, and so that they're going to come together and create some sort of a rescue plan in the 11th hour. If we don't get that, that's not priced into equities right now. Kind of is a little bit. I don't think so at all. BlackRock agrees. Well, hold on, hold they, on, they hold they came on. Yeah, okay, a, a, okay,
1: okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. I understand BlackRock. But you don't remember as a child our country has a deficit problem?
2: Uh, I, Hasn't I, it
1: had a deficit problem our whole lives?
2: Not to this extent. I mean, just look Come at how on. much the Federal Reserve – we've printed all this money, given it to the Federal Reserve. Within a couple of years, China owned the most U.S. treasuries. Now the Federal Reserve owns way more than China. They've every increased every country's budget. printing. Yeah, I know. And, and that that will – that borrowing of money, that printing of money will lead to other issues in the long run. So – Um, we've really got to focus on growth in this company, free spending and growth. You can't do the austerity thing. That's not going to work. That's going to end up like France and Spain and Italy. It's really got to be a focus on growth and especially small business. So what
1: else do you want to talk about? Starting points when determining asset allocation in retirement?
2: Yeah. Here's the point. I mean, people want to know how to set up their portfolios in retirement, but there's a couple of processes that you go through. Now, at the event, I go through the process of, Here's your expenses and how to figure out what goes into retirement. All the things that you're not thinking about that we talk about all the time, things like what does Medicare Part B cost, what does supplemental insurance cost, long-term care. What about what you're going to do in retirement? Is there a charity you want to fund? Is there vacations you want to take? Is there grandkids? Is there that second home? Is there the motor home? All of those things that you really have to project in. And, And you have to look at those costs today and say, okay, I'm retiring in 10 years, so what's the effect of those various costs on inflation, with inflation tied to it. You have to project all those expenses forward. Now, in real life, what I then do is do the tax modeling, where I say, where do we want to pull the money from first? We have X number of dollars in IRAs, X number of dollars in taxable accounts, and we might have some Roth IRAs on top of that. So what we try to do first is realize, we look out and say, at 70 and a half, I'm going to be forced to pull money out of my retirement accounts, whether or not I want to. Government says 70.5, you have to take a certain amount out. So, what a lot of people do is they go a long period of time without taking any money out of their retirement accounts, and then they lose control of their tax bracket at age 70.5. So, what we do is we say, based on your tax brackets and your marginal rates, your tax deductions, both state and federal, how much money can you pull out of your retirement accounts to stay at 15% bracket, and then where would we go get to get the rest of the money? So you you do an income plan and say, where is each dollar coming from on a year-by-year basis? Which accounts is it coming from? Then that goes into your asset allocation. So you have first the tax planning, the income planning, and then that determines the asset allocation because you need a certain amount of money. You're going to draw a certain amount of money out of your IRAs, so you need three times that in cash or safe money inside your IRAs. The rest can be balanced. In the taxable accounts, you need, again, how much am I going to draw out of my taxable accounts? Three years of that in cash. The rest should really be... Divided between stocks that increase their dividends and, and tax-free bonds. What you just said glossed me over. Yeah, you so, almost have to listen to the podcast to kind of get that.
1: I you think, know, yeah, and the podcast can be found at kdwbiz.kdwbiz and or at iTunes under rub Black and Your Money or rub Black and Your Money. But it, it glossed over me because I'm so far, I'm so many years away from that. Mm-hmm. It almost has to be within your two to three years of relevance, right? Um, actually, ten years. But Yeah, but for most people. I'm not talking about CFPs. Like, yeah. Ross, you glossed over on that, right? Yeah, he glossed over on it. In fact, he just committed to it. Well, Ross Russ never listens to us anyways. Did I call him Ross? <laughs> Nothing <Definitely laughs> about Ross. That's how much I actually think about radio at this point in time. <laughs> this is just therapy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you see what I'm saying? Is uh, People are going to delay this decision. People are going to delay this kind of information, Chad.
2: Well, yeah, I know. But the, the problem is, is that so many people go through it, especially in... you know in their 50s they go through these transitions these job changes or i hate what i'm doing i want to do something different i might not make as much money but i want to be fulfilled so you've got to model those things in your financial plan otherwise you're just flying blind and i don't need i don't know how people can sleep at night when they just don't know they don't know the date they're going to retire they don't know what portfolio value they're shooting for they don't know where they should be funneling their money into their 401k this year i mean how do people sleep at night when they don't know those things
1: I'm with you. And with that said, I'll talk to you a little bit in the next segment about some of the new services that are popping up that are kind of like wealth management without the personal touch. Talk about that. I'll we'll talk about budgets and much, much more. Always remember, there's an event coming up around the corner. You can find out more about it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Tomorrow, we're going to be in San Jose, Radisson Hotel near the airport. Sign up at robblack.com.
0: Service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad
3: Council.
1: Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. What's on your financial mind? You listen to AM 1220 KDOW, tell friends, pass the word. You can find me at Twitter. My handle is Rob Black Show. You can find me online, RobBlack.com. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. That and much, much more. This is a very um, neutral economic environment. It was interesting last night. Both vice presidential candidates promised my agenda will get us to under 6% unemployment. Under 6% unemployment is pretty hot and sexy. 9% unemployment, pretty dreadful. Where we are right now, not Goldilocksian, but it's closer to Goldilocksian than you'd imagine. Corporate America is doing okay. It's not doing great. It's doing okay. It's kind of going sideways, and sometimes sideways is not down. Joining me here, CFP, Chad Burton, joining me on the phone. Attorney Michelle C. Lerman. How
2: are you, Michelle?
3: Good to talk to you.
2: Hey, Michelle, it's Chad. How are you? Hi, Chad. So I've got your talking points here, and you you wanted to talk about not everyone needing a trust today.
3: Yeah, I thought that uh, what's really interesting is what the lawyers often don't tell you. And um, you so often hear these trust mills coming through town, and um and uh, saying how everybody needs a living trust, and you have these deals of, you know, $4.99, you get a living trust. And um, people, I, um, it's almost like something that lawyers sell. Right. And while it's true that most of the people that you and I will deal with, they do need a trust, but to talk about those situations where, hmm, maybe a will would be fine.
2: Well, so you said the term trust mill. Kind of explain a little bit more about what that is. Is that is that where you go to the seminar and by the end of the seminar you've signed your trust document? and You think you're all set?
3: Either that or there's companies that um, are selling annuities, insurance, and they come through town and they go to every single. You know, you see in the newspaper. It's usually a full page, um, often a full page ad and. They go from location to location, and oftentimes in the fine print it will say an insurance salesman will deliver your trust to your home.
2: Oh, the the good one that I've seen recently down in San Diego, a client's mom was pitched by a company that their claim was that they're all in business to help veterans get aid that they deserve, and then they're turning around and selling them annuities.
3: Yes.
2: So things like that people have to be aware of.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so, and that's what I call a trust mail, where it's not really a certified specialist that's um, looking at your individual situation, tailoring something to you. Um, it's uh, the bottom line is to try and sell something like an annuity or some sort of insurance project, and um, and that's uh, that's really scary.
2: <laughs> so, who wouldn't need a trust? Give me an example, because we've been talking about kind of the wealthier stuff, which we'll talk about on Saturday on on some of the things that wealthy people really need to know about that are expiring at the end of the year, some great opportunities, but who doesn't need a trust? Like, give me an example.
3: Right. Yeah, so if someone doesn't own any real property, and if their assets are under $150,000, then there is a very simple procedure after they die that would avoid probate. It's called a small estates affidavit is how we refer to it. So, someone with uh, with not a lot of assets, it's still critical to have a will. And the other thing people don't know is you don't need to actually buy some program to get a will. Um, California has a statutory will form that's free. And if someone wants to email me, I'm happy to give them the link to that statutory will form. It's right on our California State Bar website. There is a link. To download, um, not even download. You literally just print it off, and there's
2: instructions. Gotcha. So that's LermanLaw.com, L-E-R-M-A-N Law.com. So, in a small estate affidavit situation, where somebody, you know, somebody's mom passes away, they don't really own a home. They own a couple of bank accounts, maybe a brokerage account. The IRA hopefully doesn't go through probate because the beneficiary is named. Kind of, how does it? How do you? What's your next step? Mom's passed away. What do you do?
3: Well, the simplest thing in that situation is, especially if there's only one child, mm-hmm. if mom passes away, put that bank account into what I refer to as a pay-on-death account. Mm-hmm. And literally it pays on death. You go into the bank and show that you, know, that you are the one that was named, and it gets paid. And there isn't a lot to do. Of course, we still give a checklist for things like canceling credit cards Checking with the um you know there's lot there's lots of still um you know like a to do list when someone passes away, but it's not it's not probate and it's the same thing that you would do if you had a trust
2: so just the same a similar type of a checklist, but not necessarily that statutory probate fee that that california you know has attorneys charge on a larger estate let's say that same person they have a couple of bank accounts, a couple of brokerage accounts, but a house worth five hundred thousand dollars and at that point they are going through probate right so if it's a you know five six hundred thousand dollar estate, what's the approximate probate charge if they hadn't done a trust
3: right um california has a statutory fee it's um four percent of the first hundred thousand gross value three percent of the next hundred thousand two percent of the next hundred thousand and so when you calculate that up you're looking at over ten thousand dollars Um, just in a statutory fee that goes to the attorney, and then that executor who handles the probate is also entitled to that fee. So you're looking at literally tens of thousands of dollars of probate. But the other thing that lawyers often don't tell people is that a lawyer doesn't have to charge that statutory fee. That's the maximum, but a lawyer could charge less and a lawyer could charge hourly. So if it's going to be a really simple probate, try and find a lawyer who will charge hourly.
2: Okay, good points, good points. So, and I think that what's important about this too is because you know, people that have a trust, they have their own estate handled, but what's going to happen is often mom or dad is going to become incapacitated or pass away. And I don't think people realize the amount of work it takes to clean up somebody's estate
3: that is really really true and so having said everything that I said that not everyone needs a trust there are advantages to a probate, to a living trust other than avoiding probate when you die and you've exactly named that That I think that statistically chances of getting of becoming disabled are higher than dying that's why disability insurance is often so much more expensive than a term life insurance policy And so you want an estate plan that's going to cover if you're incapacitated. And that's one of the primary benefits of a living trust as we age. It's a very simple way, an instruction to who's going to take over if you're disabled and what you want to happen.
2: Great. All right. Thanks for the info. And we'll see you Saturday to talk about some kind of the higher level stuff for people that have larger estates, what they need to do in terms of everything from a living trust, how to leave money to kids without letting the kids kind of risk losing it with divorce, right, and with lawsuits. Right, and the
3: huge focus for tomorrow is, um, is the high net worth to individuals because it's a huge opportunity to be able to leave over $10 million free of transfer tax, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about that.
2: Yeah, you could really look at it, it. At this point in time, you've got three months left to decide if you've got a big chunk of money. Let's say it's 4 or $5 million. Do you want to leave that all to your kids or your favorite charity? Or do you want to split it half between the government and, and your kids? That's really what the question right. is. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of, you know, having a document is the difference between millions of dollars to your kids versus the government. That's right. All That's right. right.
3: I mean, if the, if the tax rate really goes up to 50% and if the threshold that you can leave free of tax really goes down to a million, and that is what's scheduled. If nothing happens, that is what's scheduled to right. happen by the end of the year. It's going to be really expensive to die.
2: Yep, part of this fiscal cliff. Michelle, thanks a lot for joining us. appreciate it. You can find Michelle at LermanLaw.com. That's L-E-R-M-A-N-Law.com, and she'll be with us on Saturday. Tomorrow.
1: Tomorrow from 9 to noon, Wealth Preservation, Retirement Planning, CFP, myself, CFP Chad Burton, myself, and Michelle from 9 to noon, Radisson Hotel, San Jose Airport, um, San Jose, California. Obviously, it's all about retirement issues, expenses, where to draw, efficiencies, safe money, bonds, dividends, portfolios, economic talk. I'll go over some... uh, high dividend-paying stocks as well. Uh, uh, Michelle C. Lerman, she was also going to talk about a dynasty trust, which, again, a lot of people chat. I don't think they think of themselves as wealthy. But let's say I own nothing else other than a home, I'm going to be wealthy in 20 to 40 years in the Bay Area, in well, theory.
2: But but in, in also there is your assets in your 401K, and there's the life insurance too. And if family has children, they have to have – Ten times their annual income in term life insurance, plus a couple hundred thousand dollars per kid for college to protect them if they pass away before having earned enough money to pay for that kid's college. So you have to sit and think to yourself, if you add up all the insurance and everything else, how much would go to my kids and would I want them to have that at age 18?
1: Sounds good. In the afternoon, we're going to be doing the Money 101, all things financial. You can sign up for that from 1 to 4 tomorrow at the Radisson Hotel. That's for people in their 20s, 30s, and early 40s who are starting to accumulate wealth. Insurance, 401Ks, IRAs, asset allocation, good debt, bad debt, other topics. Can sign up for either event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Chad is ACFP. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Follow me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Follow me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Follow me on Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. 30 seconds, Chad. Anything you want to plug about the seminars tomorrow?
2: Well, you know, if you're trying to figure out, if you're 10 years from retirement, you think you're 10 years away or less or in retirement and trying to figure out how to transition your portfolio with where bonds are, with where stocks are, with the uncertainty that's out there. How do you rebalance and take income in the, in the right way? This is the event you want to go to.
1: Might be an urgent situation for you. Might not. I think it always is when it comes to planning for retirement. You've got to take that first step, and then things will start to fall into place smoothly for you. You sign up for the event tomorrow at robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money invested into much, much more. What's on your financial mind? How are you going to get to retirement? Are you thinking about retirement? Maybe you should marry well if you're not thinking about retirement. Russ, you still have time to divorce and marry well. I know your wife <laughs> probably doesn't want to know that, but you're 50-ish in radio. It's time to admit you did it all wrong. I don't know. I'm looking at Russ. I think you should stay put, buddy. He's got a good (laughs) wife. so She uh, raised a good kid for him. Mm -hmm. There's some value in that, right? Absolutely. So, um, Dividend stocks have been kind of sexy this year, which is kind of interesting because at the start of the year they were underperforming, but then they really carried the back of the stock market. Names like Chevron, Pepsi, Nike, Aflac, Monsanto. Um, Good, solid names that have been around since you were a child. A lot of people, Chad, really want to do it themselves. They don't want to hire people like you who are financial planners. Um, but I think the biggest mistake that they tend to make is when they do that, they tend to go after stocks that they don't have any concept of. Um, maybe it's a Avivis. You know, oh, I heard about this biotech company that mm-hmm. makes a drug that does this, that does that. that-
2: and that's the typical doctor. The typical doctor is, is- – pretty horrible in, in the terms of trying to come up with an investment strategy because they hear about all of these advances. And so they hear about story stocks, and so they'll buy it, and then they'll forget about it because they're super busy. And then all of a sudden the story stock becomes the worst story of the day and disappears. And story stocks
1: don't necessarily mean that they're going to make a lot of money. You know, Zynga's got a great story, you know, the Facebook issue where everyone's playing Facebook and Farmville, and you're tired of people, and you're unfriending them, and you're hiding their post, and you're embarrassed. And That's right. The company doesn't make any money.
2: Yeah. you play those games or if you do quotes on Facebook, you're immediately blocked. That's, that's all. I, that's all I, I had to tell my mom, you've got to stop posting quotes on Facebook, or I'm going to have to remove you, Mom. I, I had to remove you.
1: Anyone, anyone can take me to the, the mountain today? <laughs> anyone want to drive my boat for me today? I'm going water skiing. Wakeboarding. Wakeboarding. Wake Wakeboarding. Yes. Yeah, the boat, you're like, anyone you want you to drive my because boat? Because I have a
2: life and you sit at home all day.
1: I don't, I don't have any problem with that. <laughs> so, uh, counting my money. One, two, three,
2: four. <laughs> then, I get to like,
1: then I get to like two million. I start over. One, two, <laughs> three, four. Anyway, um, JP Morgan, record profits. Does that sound like the banking stocks are, are doing horrible?
2: No. What it sounds like is that you got proof that the housing market has bottomed. I mean, that's, you know, we're seeing that all across the board because the numbers of homes being sold is still at a you – know, it's not where it was prior to 2007. But there's been less kind of the investor buyer of the foreclosures and more normal buyers coming back on board. So I think that we will – the, the housing market has bottomed. What's going to be interesting is once we get past this next couple of years of massive amount of refis, um, how banks are going to make money going forward, how, how the regulation is going to affect them, how extremely low interest rates until 2015 is going to affect them. If they've had a 6% revenue growth, what's next?
1: One of the more interesting concepts out there um, that I believe in is counterintuitive. The, this time last year, Occupy Wall Street was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, they were protesting banks, right? Banks right. and their big profits. You know what the best sector since then? Banks. Yeah. So Wall Street, not Wall Street, Main Street gets it all wrong. You know, they demonize what is working or where you should be putting your money. So I like banks leading the economy, banks leading the stock
2: market. Yeah, I don't think they've really truly led it yet. I mean, yeah, I think there's been... If in, stock it, return, just, in stock returns, I have. Of this year, we've had two quarters where banks have been... The best performers in two quarters when they've been one of the worst. Yeah, it's been a, it's still been a volatile sector. There, there's still a lot of uncertainties with Dodd Frank coming down the line. Um, what's on their balance sheets? You know, how much of their money is in European debt? Those types of things, and, that, and that'll that'll play out over time. Um, and you still, you know, you got to look at most of the indexes that you invest in because most people in this listening to the show should just be buying indexes for their first hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. And typically, any index, whether it's U.S. or international, is going to be about 20% financial.
1: Wells Fargo up 40% in the last year. Pretty good steady name. Uh, good enough for Warren Buffett. Good enough for Chad?
2: Um, I have owned Wells Fargo in the past, but I, again, I've been kind of light financials for the last 18 months just because of... When, when we're dealing with capital preservation, and in addition to trying to go for returns, we want... More of the price stability. Uh, you've got a two and a half percent dividend yield on Wells Fargo now, so pretty attractive. But it's still a bank, and it's still an issue of what's going to be the effect of these mortgages when interest rates increase. How many people that have been that were supposed to go under? Remember, you know, two years ago, Rob, when we were talking about all of those ARM loans that were going to jump to fully amortized principal and interest this year. Well, they've had a saving grace because interest rates are basically cut in half almost from where they were that, in that period of time. So what's going to happen there? Is this economy really going to get unemployment back under 6%? So um, we own – in terms of the banks that we own rather than buying banks directly, there's enough in the funds and ETFs that we own that we don't need to buy them in our stock portfolio right now.
1: Robert Kiyosaki yesterday was announced that he's going bankrupt his company that owes the learning annex over $24 million dollars. Here's a guy who's been on Oprah, who's now being exposed for what he is. He's a pound foolish of flesh. Um, doesn't make people money, loses people money, hurts a lot of people. So I'm happy that he's going bankrupt. $24 and million.
2: I can give the smile on your face, isn't it? So I like it.
1: You can meet Chad Burton tomorrow,
2: CFP Chad Burton,
1: at the Wealth Preservation Retirement Seminar from 9 to noon. He's going to be running that along with Michelle C. Lerman and myself. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. That's 9 to noon at the Radisson Hotel at San Jose Airport location. Money 101, all things financial from 1 to 4 in the afternoon. Sign up for both events at robblack.com get your kicks now. You don't need the money when you look. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So
0: let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black
1: on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, in more. The show is called Rob Black and Your Money. Don't be shy. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I've got the one, the only, CFP Chad Burton live in studio with me. When he's live in studio, it basically means there's a seminar coming up right around the corner. And oddly enough, there is a seminar coming up right around the corner. Radisson Hotel at the airport location tomorrow. It's a good event, two events. First one is the Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning from 9 to noon, Radisson Hotel, San Jose Airport, and that's tomorrow. It's, again, if you're in retirement, heading towards retirement, have significant assets that you're worried about, what accounts to draw from, what accounts you use, tax-efficient investing, how to pull money down. This may be appropriate for you. It may be appropriate for your parents. But the big sticky wick is the estate planning angle. This year, the estate planning taxes are changing at the end of the year. How much are you allowed to leave to your kids without paying taxes? It's a pretty big deal. It's a number of $5 million. And then there's two spouses, it's a number of $10 million. So you have assets you want to pass along as a couple. You want to start thinking about this right here, right now. The event will cover that pretty hardcore tomorrow from 9 to noon. If you wait until January, you're going to be one of those losers in life that will wish you had done something. And again, that's fine. Just don't be bitter. It's fine. Just don't be bitter. So don't be salty about it. Um, you can sign up for that event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Money 101 in the afternoon. Really more so for the people who are 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, who are accumulating wealth, um, who are starting to think about it. You know, Chad, I got an email from someone who is perfect for this. Guy's in his 40s. Owns a house here. Uh, did pretty well. Bought it a couple years ago. Um, owns a house in Connecticut. Massively upside down on. Hasn't paid taxes in like 2004, 2005, 2006, Ooh. his wife claimed five dependents versus two, which is what they had, um, in massive trouble with the IRS. And he was asking me what he should do. And he's like, I can't talk to my wife about money. She can't get on the same page. They still have credit card debt. Like, just a financial mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often do you see that?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> in terms of radio questions, I see it all the time. I mean, I would, I would assume that... More people that listen to the show have those types of deal, issues to deal with than the flip side, which is you know I kind of deal with the people that are 10 years from retirement or in retirement dealing with wealth management. Right. And the, there are firms that specialize in helping people do more of the budgeting thing. I mean, I, I know you don't like the, the show, but if, if you are a person that's completely upside down in terms of what you're spending and you can't get your spouse on the same page – and you're overspending because you're not dealing with cash, you're dealing with the fake world of credit cards, you should probably be dealing with you know, like the Dave Ramsey type of a show. Oh, don't bring up Dave Ramsey. I, you know what? That, that, that budgeting system to get people to come together on their household spending, I've seen a lot of success with it. That's not the type of person that I deal with or do financial he, he, planning He is
1: for. so slimy. He charges hundreds of dollars for seminars. So that, you, so that you can go on radio and say, Dave, I'm debt-free. I'm debt-free. Yeah, don't pay off the house. Pay off everything else. Don't pay off – don't buy a car in cash if you can get low to no interest. Why? Why? It's a depreciating asset. If,
2: if buy, buy a used car first and foremost. There you go. That's a, like a far better piece of advice. Right. You're not going to get 0% on a used car. Well, so. probably not. So, yeah, I did. I, I like, it, it helps people get an understanding of what they're going to do. Uh, I mean, putting a certain amount of money in an envelope is what some people need so they don't overspend. I mean, some people are that far behind in terms of what we learned about money. I mean, just think about what you learned about money in, in junior high or high school. Oh
1: the goodness. only
2: thing that I learned is how to write a check. Nobody even writes checks anymore. They pay their bills online, right? That's kind of true. So uh, there is no financial education in our system today, and that's why kids are graduating with credit card debt and college debt. And student loans, and, and then they just never have any – we're in this entitlement kind of generation where everybody thinks that they're going to graduate from college and have exactly what their parents have the day they start working.
1: So th- the advice I gave to this guy was just, like, get honest with yourself. Like, if he, he told me, like, I'm just not that good. I, I've got, like, attention deficit issues. You know, he actually probably said to himself, I owe the IRS money. I'm not going to file. He, it, it had to be intentional. It didn't slip his mind. Right. You know, his wife claiming five dependents, she didn't suddenly think she had five kids that didn't come out of her womb. She lied, and she knew she was lying.
2: Right. They're, they're justifying basically fraud. Exactly. In their mind. Right. So you can't, go, you can't go bankrupt with the IRS, especially if it's three-year-old IRS debt. I mean, it's, you're still going to pay whatever taxes that you owe no matter what you do with your other personal debt. So, don't play that game. You got to file your taxes. This is what's going to be interesting with what happens if, you know, Affordable Care Act stays in place if Obama's reelected and the full-fledged Affordable Care Act comes into play in 2014 when people are going to face a penalty if they don't buy health insurance. There's tax credits that are going to come for the lower income people, but that's not going to get to their bank accounts until April 15th of 2015. So that's going to be a little bit of a mess. I can see a lot of people that are going to be having <laughs> I mean, issues with taxes in 2014, 2015. Pretty confusing stuff.
1: Yeah, that's actually going to be a big thing to start thinking about. If like the payroll tax does go away, mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to have a lot less money than they're used to. Right. So. Yeah. And their deductions will all be wonky and slightly different. Um, speaking with CFP, Chad Burton, at the event that tomorrow you're basically running the 9 to noon one, uh, anything that is new? Anything, you know, uh, anything changing in the world of financial planning?
2: Well, I think that in terms of what's new, I'm going to go through an even more specific example on a portfolio of, you know, if, go through a portfolio situation where if you're 65 years old and you need $100,000 off your portfolio to live because you're getting another 25 to 30 off Social Security and pensions, how much do you need? That's going to be at least two million bucks, and that's a little bit of a shocker to people, but that's hey, that's Bay Area living. Um, if you're, you know, somebody that's making 100 grand a year now, and you want that same style of living in retirement, you've got that money. You've got to have it last for at least 35 years. And so, I go a specific example. It says if they have X numbers of dollars in retirement accounts and X number of dollars in, in taxable accounts, how do we go about figuring out how to allocate that and where to pull money from? Because it's it's confusing. You got cash. You got taxable accounts. You got Roth IRAs, 401ks. You know, where do you pull from? Because that determines your overall asset allocation. So a specific example there. And also talking a little bit about uh, some of the alternative investments. I'll save the dividend stocks for, you know, you'll be talking about that. But what is an alternative investment, and where does it go in your portfolio? What is an
1: alternative investment? Well, you, you look at the simple ways. Uh, we, know, we know what an alternative lifestyle is. <laughs> is an alternative investment similar?
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a growing area that Morningstar didn't used to report on. Um, for example, one I own is uh, AMLP which is a oil and gas master limited partnership. Now, people hear about these oil and gas master limited partnerships like Oneok and companies that trade on the on the New York Stock Exchange, but they can become a tax headache because of the K1s they issue. You basically are filing an extension every year, but you get some real tax-favored income. This is an ETF where you don't get a K1, but it's a little bit interesting in how they charge their fees and what, what you perceive as the fees. So I can talk about that after the break, but that's one. And I'll talk about another one that I don't own right now, but I have in the past.
1: Okay. You can sign up for these events at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's Wealth Preservation and Retirement Planning tomorrow from 9 to noon, letting Chad take the first segment. Then I will carry this, the back half with the Money 101 All Things Financial. One is for people with wealth who want to preserve it and want to retire with some class and dignity. You know, my retirement plan for the Dave Ramsey people of the world is buy a gun, rob a bank, life in prison. It'll probably be an upgrade from the, the trailer park for most people, um, which America's heading towards, Chad. I'm really worried America's not saving enough for money for retirement, especially with uh, the entitlement program swelling. We've become an entitled nation. We're kind of like Europe. We're where Europe was 30 years ago. So where will we be 30 years from now? Where Greece is? Good question. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. <laughs> Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? There's an article reported yesterday in Forbes called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Bankrupt Dad. It talks a little bit about Robert Kiyosaki, author of the best-selling Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is oddly enough a book that no one's ever been able to find the rich dad, i. e. he made it up. If you ever read the books, they read in a very humorous manner of he'll say on um, one way to get wealthy is put all your eggs in one basket and then a couple pages later he'll say don't put all your eggs in one basket and, you know, buy a lot of things in a lot of different ways. It's just a bunch of crap is what it is. Uh, the tips the tips in his book run from the gamut from ridiculous to illegal. It's downright hurtful. He's advocated insider trading. He's lied. There's a book coming out later, uh, a couple months from now, uh, that I'm looking forward to reading. It's called Pound Foolish, Exposing the Dark Side of the Personal Finance Industry. You know, Kiyosaki's weaseled his way into people like Oprah Winfrey's show. He owes the owner of the Learning Annex over $24 million and has just filed bankruptcy. Of course, he won't go bankrupt because he's protected himself from bankruptcy with the law, which he's allowed to do, which I highly recommend, but his corporation, gone, wiped out.
2: You see all this rich dad poor dad seminars, and then they say a small disclaimer. Then Kiyosaki wouldn't even he wasn't going to be at them. No, he'll he'll send a videotape. Right. So right. he cares that much.
1: It's <laughs> chilling in Hawaii. But you know what? I, I bring that up, Chad, because there's people, and I mean we're all guilty of this. When you turned 18, a bug bit you that said you want to know something more about financial information. You consumed it, and you went to wherever you can get it. So you went to the bookstore, and you looked at personal finance, and his book was right there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Americans consume that crap because it's the first step to educating yourself about money and investing. Um, any thoughts on where people should be going to learn about money and finances? And, you know, again, you and I talk about this all the time. Mint.com. Great way to start a budget.
2: Right. Um, and it, it's, it's almost too simple. And another great site that I'm seeing too, um, which is kind of more of uh, for women by women, is LearnVest.com. dot com. It's some great budgeting tools. Yeah, they've got, they've even gotten to the money management side. So I think read as much as you possibly can, but always realize that there's always and there's there's almost always an angle out there, right? I mean, if we just look at Rick Edelman, who is the largest, I think one of the largest independent registered investment advisors out there now. Yep. Awesome first several books, right? You and I talked about it all the time. His last several books have his last couple of books have been more Sales-oriented, where they create portfolios with exchange-traded funds or ETFs, where they're charging like two percent fees. Unbelievable! It's you know, it's too much for an ETF portfolio. I love it when you say
1: unbelievable. It sounds like a little bit Mike Mike Tyson.
2: Uh, you know what I hate it when I say is absolutely. I hate that word because everybody on TV and radio uses it too much. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll make a point on uh, that. Slap me when I say that. If, you gonna watch the?
1: You gonna watch the Giants next series?
2: Um, I, I'll watch an or too. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't, uh, The longest that you've ever seen me sit is two hours when you and I do radio. I can't sit through an entire baseball game. Can't do it. Okay, big event tomorrow,
1: um, wealth preservation, retirement planning, estate planning tips, hints, tricks, things along those lines. Um, Anything that we're missing that we haven't hit when talked about that? Radisson Hotel, tomorrow San Jose. Sign up at com. No, I think um,
2: Michelle Lerman, that is the estate planning attorney that's going to be there with us, um, has a checklist that she can email to you. So you can uh, find it at LermanLaw.com or Michelle at LermanLaw.com, and really, it's 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 a it's a checklist that gets you to think about all the different aspects of estate planning. But what I want the baby boomers that are listening to the show to think about: talk to your parents about this stuff, because I've seen it. I've had to deal with settling estates on great on aunts aren't and the uncles. baby boomers aren't they the parents now? They are the well, the baby boomers' parents oh, are all passing to, away. Okay, so you want to talk to their okay, yeah? Because okay. I mean, the, we've got the baby boomers that are all turning around sixty, sixty-five, and their parents are passing away right now, and it is such a fiasco to deal with an estate. I mean, he, here's the worst estate to handle: Mom and Dad bought individual stock certificates, okay. dividend reinvestment programs. They're, they've got accounts at Bank of New York Mellon and. The, their Depression era, so they had their money spread out among a whole bunch of different banks. I mean, you're talking about a full-time job for a month or two on trying to clean up this uh, this this mess. So you've got to find a way to approach this estate planning checklist with not only yourself and your own family, but also with your parents to save yourself time and money right. in the future. It is not an honor. For those people that are listening out there, I want to name you as the executor of my estate. Yeah. That's not an honor. It's like, hey – I want you to do this job and be drastically underpaid for it, and watch my family fight and, <laughs> and be and, and be hated by all. That's pretty much what you're what you're being assigned for. Yeah, it's
1: Unless- interesting that you say that because I've asked you would you do it for me, and you're like absolutely. Chad's probably the most financially responsible person, fair person that I know. Would I ask my brother? Not a chance on the planet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, not a chance. But yet, I know in my family, you know, my grandfather uh, when grandma died. Uh, an aunt took over, and she's, she hates it. She hates the responsibility, and people hate her. Yeah. They're like, why did not you sell the oil well? Why did not you, well? you, well? you keep the oil well? Why don't you sell the oil well? Why don't you keep the oil Like, literally, that's the conversation that she has to go through every
2: Thanksgiving. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not fun, especially when there's just – when they haven't thought about the little things like who gets the wedding ring. You know, who – yeah, gosh. It's, it, if you want specific things to go to specific people – and you're, you know, 87 years old. Give yeah. them now while you're alive.
1: My mom's on her, she's waiting to die. That's the way I refer to it. She's had a couple strokes. She stays inside, watches TV all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked for the frying pan. She gave me the frying pan. I asked for the rocking chair. She gave me the rocking chair. And I'm like, take me out of the well. I don't need it. Uh-huh. At this point in time, sell everything and split it five ways. I don't
2: want it, the money, you yep. know. Um, and that's what I would do. Like, if I would be the trustee of your estate because I know that I could look through the documents now, while you're alive, and say, okay, this does work. This is I'm not going to be dealing with any issues. Well, you know, I'm if gonna, you don't, you, don't yeah, have you know, I'm going to come up with crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be like people you're have to, leave uh, hidden videotapes with treasure maps. <laughs> I love I'm going to put a
1: note in my pocket the day I die that says something like, "Watch out, beware, Chad," something like that, Watch. so that everyone's like, "What do you mean that by that? What do you mean by that? What's Chad doing wrong?" Oh, lovely. I'm going to put in stipulations. That you have to eat like. Toenails and things like that, in order to get disbursements. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be the fun guy who dies, not the lame guy who dies.
2: But yeah, my ha- dad. Haunt people. You can haunt people after you die. I, I want mean, Very easily, you can put stuff in your in your trust that says. Well, first of all, we we one of the things that's on this checklist is that you can get and again Michelle at LermanLaw.com is. If you're leaving money to kids, how do you want that dispersed? Do you want them to have it all at age eighteen and lose all their will to work because they think a million dollars is a lot? A million dollars to an eighteen year old is not a lot of money. If you add it's up a their pretty pr- good trip to europe if, if you exactly but if you add up your present value of your earnings potential between eighteen and sixty five it 's millions of dollars right. And so you've got to make sure that there's still motivation left. And also for, for a couple that has a couple million dollars in their estate, which, remember, includes the life insurance, includes the retirement accounts, the home, do you have what's called a bypass trust? There's, when you're married, you have two people that have a certain amount of money they can leave to their heirs right. when they die. If the first one that dies, if their credit amount doesn't go into a bypass or credit shelter trust, they lose it forever, and that's millions and millions of dollars a mistake. And also, wealthy people that have growing assets, they can fund that while they're alive, right now, especially with some of these laws that we're going to talk about on Saturday that are expiring in January.
1: If you own a house, if you've got a 401K, if you're in your 40s, you want to set up a trust this year. If you're in your 30s and own a house, you want to set up trust this year. That's all I'm going to tell you. You're going to learn more tomorrow at the Radisson Airport. You can sign up for the wealth accumulation or wealth preservation event at robblack.com.
3: Welcome
1: back again to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I read an email from one of your clients yesterday, Chad, who got to know you from knowing me through the radio, a guy named Greg. He talked about how he felt blessed or lucky that his wife raised two great girls, but that you know, he encouraged them to go get real careers. And I know that sounds goofy that we say that, but that's one of the best things people could do in their lives. If you're under 30, consider going back to school, and like a real school, not a for-profit school, but a real school. Right. Um, a Stanford, a UC Davis, not you know a Corinthian college. <laughs> Nothing gets fine Corinthian leather. You know there's no such thing as Corinthian leather? Really? Made it up. So, um, but a career, think about how much money you and I have wasted and probably me more so than you on women, on dating and finding love and passion. Um, if I had to put that much effort into college,
2: I could have, I'd have like 18 master's degrees.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd be a philosopher of philosophy.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how much people are going to spend on their kids' education and they really don't spend much time looking at the return on investment of the college that they're going to send their kids to. It's so important these days because so the, the unemployment rate on college grads is so high right now. Yeah. It, I mean, people need to flat out put their foot down and said, if you're going to go get a degree in philosophy or whatever, I'm not paying for it. You're on your own, kiddo. Or Sorry. Even, <laughs> or even
1: more importantly, like, here's one that gets me, and we see this a lot in the Bay Area, because it's encouraged, taking a year off from work. Go find yourself in Asia or go, like, that's fine if you're wealthy, but if you're in mid-career, you're taking, you know, again, you work, what, 25 to 60? I mean, yeah. you're taking off a, a significant 5% of your working years.
2: Yeah, if you're going to do that during your, you know, 20s or real early 30s, but if you're going to do that when you're 40, 45 to go find yourself, good luck in a job when you get back because of the, there's age discrimination in the Bay Area. Worst, this is for being, supposedly being a liberal state, it's the worst. I mean, we have clients all along the West Coast, across the country. This is the worst state for age discrimination that I've ever seen.
1: I, my brother, you know, Clint, he's at Age Discrimination back on the East Coast. Yeah. I mean, it's, a lot of people think they're going to work till 60 or 70, mm-hmm. and then they find out, we just got downsized at 50, and I can't find another job. Right.
2: Those are the perfect still perfect
1: example, my engineer here. He had a great career in radio, radio massively downsized, and it, it's not what it used to be. It used to be a career, and now it's like part-time work. Yeah. So for most of the jobs, unless you're management. So management takes all the money.
2: It's a tough time with uh, for radio and, and just in general. And in television. Like, yeah.
1: You name the industry, it's a tough time. So CFP, Chad Burton, you manage clients' money, assets under management, but you're kind of like a financial planning coach. It's a little bit more than managing money because I, I, I trivialized it, but a $2 million portfolio. Um, let's talk about a real-life scenario.
2: Yeah. I mean, if well, what I go through at the event is somebody that's, they add up all their expenses. Here's my lifestyle expenses. Here's the things I want to do. And and here's all the taxes that I have to pay when I pull money out of my 401k, and and you know what are deductions will will and will not be there in retirement, and come up with you know a gross income need. How much of that's taken care of Social Security? Let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars that's left over that you got to draw from your portfolio from 65 to you know 90 to 100 years old. You need at least two million bucks. And so if you had that two million dollars and it was evenly split, which it's not for most people, let's say it was evenly split between Taxable accounts and, and retirement accounts. You're gonna have a certain amount of safe money in each account because you're gonna draw from both accounts. Even from day one. A lot of people make the mistake of putting off from drawing from their IRAs. Don't do that because at seventy and a half you'll lose control of your tax bracket. Now what goes in a taxable account, typically on a general level, I like my dividend paying stocks in my taxable account. Usually I'll have a good portion in dividend paying stocks and a good portion in if it's California, California tax free income. California tax-free bonds. The intermediate level, the general obligation type stuff, thats still fine. Will there be a time when we need to reduce the allocation to that if interest rates are rising? Yeah, but for now they're okay. Um, In the retirement accounts, it gets a little bit more specific because in retirement accounts, that's where you want to hold more of your alternative investments, your small cap, your emerging markets, the stuff that has more turnover and causes more taxes. Because if you're holding it in your retirement accounts, you're not going to pay current income taxes on it until you draw it out. So, I allocate my retirement accounts a little bit more differently. I'll have some in a balanced portfolio of no load funds and ETFs. Um, I'll have some, you know, an index type of a product that's kind of in between stocks and bonds where you get some upside potential of the market without the downside risk. And I'll have some income guarantee stuff in there. But you've got to look at the overall portfolio. And it actually, at the event, I show you the allocation first and then how to do your income planning second with taxes. In real life, you have to do the, the income planning first. Know where every dollar is going to come from and then let that drive the asset allocation in the account. So this sounds a little bit confusing. when am trying to show it on, you know, talk about it on radio. But at the event, we get pretty specific on how you actually go about doing this. Interesting. Um, CNBC is reporting that Paul Ryan won the debate last night.
1: MSNBC is reporting that Joe Biden won the debate last night. What I see in that is people who care about business are thinking Republicans. People who care about you know, social issues are thinking Democrat. There's something called a low-information voter. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay Lohan came out and endorsed Romney because of jobs. Um, Hulk Hogan came out and endorsed Romney because of um, he'll take the lead and run. Jenna Jameson, adult film actress, endorsed Romney because when you're rich, you want a Republican in office. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, isn't it funny that most people can sum up their political views in when you're rich, you want a Republican. You want somebody to go take the lead. It's like people can sum up their whole. We don't. We oh, we spend a lot of time watching TV. We don't spend a lot of time forming ideas.
2: Right, I know, and you, and I had to do that myself because I was just hearing this term Obamacare, and being disgusted just by the name of it. But you, I was talking about on a Monday show a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, you know, what is the Affordable Care Act? Let's first of all let's call it what it is, which is the Affordable Care Act. What's it going to do? Because I was hearing from a, a nurse who – conservative, fiscally conservative friend, that's a nurse, that likes a lot of the wellness push that's in the Affordable Care Act, keeping people out of the hospitals, making it so that, you know, people fix their lifestyles. But that's the problem is that how are you going to fix these people? You know, the, the person that's eating a block of cheese while they're riding around in their scooter and complaining that they have bad knees and they can't exercise? That's they're riding a little, around the scooter eating a block of cheese? <laughs> that, that sounds pretty good. It does. I like my cheese, but I also like the gym. Speaking,
1: so, of, speaking of which, the McRib. Why is it a temporary menu item? I don't... I, why is it an item at all? You know, what, Have you th- ever had a McRib? No. Me neither. Yeah, I don't... It's a tough thing to find me at a McDonald's. Yeah. Maybe when I'm on vacation in the Sahara Desert, and it's the only thing that crops up around the corner kind of thing.
2: Yeah, when you're just dying, you've got to have something now. No, but... <sighs>
1: So they've got a problem with Christmas and the holidays you know McDonald's festive season and the McRib's coming out. <laughs> and the eggnog shake. I just said like magic to some of our listeners' ears. If if that ringed like good to be you, there's something wrong in your life. <laughs> so CFP Chad Burton, big event tomorrow. Um for the Money One One, the the all things financial event. What's some of the things that you wish you could have done earlier in life or some of the things you did well as far as money goes?
2: I just start socking it away as early as possible. I mean, it really, it's, it's so easy now to buy index funds or ETFs, which, which an ETF is exchange-traded fund. It's basically an index fund that trades like a stock. Right. And you can – almost every brokerage firm has at least 100 you can buy without a trading cost at all. So you can put the money in, and you can get these internal costs of you know, 10 basis points, and just start building wealth that way. And it's something you, you've you know, put 10% of your pay away from the day you start working. And really that's the the thing that people have to focus on. The second one is that I talk about at the, event, at the Money 101 event how to pick the funds in your 401K. The problem is, is that everybody looks at such a short-term period, the one- and three-year returns. And that's where they allocate the money. Oh, this one's doing really well. I'm going to stock all my money away in this. That's about the worst thing you can do, buy the stuff that has a great 10-year average return and is doing poorly right now because its turn is coming.
1: There's a concept out there that people really don't want to pay for financial advice. They don't want people like you, per se, that they want to be as cheap as possible. And what they should be doing is going with the lower cost funds, and yet they go out and they spend high cost on mutual funds, high cost on annuities. Um, I'm stunned by how many people still go after annuities because they think it's, it's a better investment than going after a well-diversified
2: index fund. Yeah, I mean, there's a place in portfolios for no-load annuities, but and maybe that's for people 10, who are retired? Within five years from retirement yeah. or in retirement. It's not a great way to accumulate wealth. It's a horrible way to accumulate wealth because you're talking about fees that are 2% or more. So it's a way to conserve it once you've kind of built that nest egg up. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of places out there that call themselves financial advisors and all they do is they want to accumulate a bunch of different portfolios from a bunch of different people and not tell them how – they're not going to sit there and say, here's what you should do with your stock options. Oh, you want to change careers? Here's how long you're going to have to work in this new career. Here's what you should do with your estate plan. Um, and people, you know, still pay a quarter to one percent a year to these places that call themselves financial advisor, but they're not. They're not giving the specific family advice. The only accreditation
1: that I believe in is CFP, CFA. Those are the only two that I've uh, put any. Senior certified retirement specialist means absolutely nothing. There's no such designation. Right. It's just a made up. Like
2: it, There what, is a designation, but it's not where, well respected in terms of what you have to go through to get a CFP or a CFA. Yeah. Not even close. And what you're going to find is like, do you remember
1: the first time I met someone from Smith Barney? that gave me a business card and it's like vice, vice president. president.
2: Yeah. And I'm like,
1: ooh, you're a vice president. What did you do to do that? Like, who did you like That's a degree. You did something Right. And everyone's called a vice president. Right. So turns me off.
2: Yeah, and Smith Barney is now pretty much gone. And they, they were one of the worst because they would get people in the door with these really specific firm products. So people yeah. would get there for four or five years, realize they want to leave, and then they're stuck in these products that they couldn't move to other brokerage firms.
1: Come out tomorrow, Radisson Hotel Airport, San Jose, Wealth Preservation in the morning. Wealth accumulation in the afternoon. More details at robblack.com. You see one of the sexier stories come out recently, Chad, was a Zumba fitness studio was doubling as a brothel. Really? Yeah.
2: Where was this at? In Maine. That's a genius. I'm going to franchise that. <laughs> I'm, not again, I'm, not, I'm not arguing with you. Hey, you've got to get to retirement somehow. Calling all Zumba f- fitness freaks! I don't know what you
1: do. <laughs> Alexis Wright. Email me now at. Twenty-nine-year-old <laughs> fitness instructor from Wells has pleaded not guilty to 106 counts of prostitution, invasion of privacy, tax evasion, and other charges for allegedly accepting money for sex and secretly videotaping her encounters.
2: Like that sounds like a a, a website. With, it sounds like a TV was it show. With other Zumba people or... Um. Better. Now we're getting all Jerry Springer here. I
1: know, but. I don't know. The
2: story instantly,
1: instantly scintillates, doesn't it? Like it's kind of like kind of a sexy story. Like I wasn't when I brought it up. I wasn't kidding. (laughs) You're a torqued individual. I tell you that. I don't know. I just see headlines. I live in headlines. You do. Oh, for instance, I saw one headline last week um, about mom glues her kid's hands to wall, and I was like, that's a great headline. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's funny, right? Like. In China, they'd probably reward that person for being an outside-the-box thinker, but her kid goes into a coma at the next line of the story, and she's facing life in jail. Like, oh, Oh, gosh. That's one thing I hate about working in television is is everything's headlines and everything's – it's tough because all the stories about horrible things that happen to children –
2: well, it's it, increased the volatility on a daily basis of the stock market too in the last several years. Between that and, and high-frequency trading, the daily volatility—the the annual volatility isn't any higher. The daily volatility is, which makes it harder and harder to investors to process it because the more the volatility, the more they look for headlines, and it's almost a self-fulfilling problem. It just—it just feeds on itself. So you've got to ignore that. You've got to get the the news really straight. It, it all has—it all comes down to earnings. We about sales just? and profits. That's what it's going to come down to in the long run, right? What are we talking about? It's investing. Okay. Can they grow revenues? Oh, okay. in volatility. Can they grow revenues? Can they maintain margins? That's yeah. the long-term question. On a quarter-by-quarter quarter basis, timing doesn't matter.
1: On occasion, I'll turn into CNBC just to get a giggle. Like Now they're doing like tweet on the street. and like right. If you were CEO of Groupon, what deal would you give? Like It has nothing to do with business. Like You have to watch Bloomberg if you're into financial media right. and or the show. Didn't you always think Zumba was like for old people who couldn't do Pilates?
2: I, I don't know. That's kind of like the salsa dancing thing. So
1: That's, Salsa dancing yeah. is Zumba for older, older no, people. Yeah, I think older can't people Zumba. that can't do
2: Pilates do the water
1: aerobics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I was, went at a pool, uh, the Four Seasons. And this woman acted like she owned the pool. She was swimming laps, and you know how like four Seasons pools are kind of like cute. They're not really big size pools or anything like right, that.
2: Right, kind of oval, oval shaped There's
1: not really a lap swim. And she was doing a lap in it, and she was just. And again, I wasn't even in it, but like kids were trying to play on vacation, and she'd just like tell the, she'd bark at the parents to get the kids out of the water. Mm. So I like people who are oblivious to reality.
2: Mm-hmm. So okay. it's fun to watch unless it's your
1: kid that they're messing with, right? Tragic, right? Parents who don't uh, parents who let their kids push other kids around. Which is another thing. I think our society is getting to the point now where we're overprotecting our kids. Where every, like, parents are having play dates with their own children. They're not even having play dates with other children. <laughs> what? Where do you live? <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, I, it, I see it all the time now is that parents are they're afraid. Like, when you I, were a kid, I didn't
2: have a bike helmet when I was a kid.
1: You didn't have a my bike helmet? My
2: knees hel- were messed up. My, my elbows were messed up. You know, we built jumps on the sidewalk with a block of wood and. And you didn't have
1: rules like "don't leave the street." Like you were allowed to adventure as far as you could, as long as you came home for dinner. Exactly. So, and kids can't do that now. Yeah. So, we're raising a. I don't let
2: my kids do it.
1: We're raising a world of wussies. You might be right, Rob. Okay, back to the seminar tomorrow. Last segment, we're losing focus. We're tired. <laughs> yes, we are. We're tired. Well, Zumba—that was a sexy story. <laughs> um. Where do we go with this? What do you want to talk about
2: for tomorrow? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit tomorrow too about um you know what goes into a balanced portfolio. So the kind of the way that I I look at different pieces of the portfolio, we have a balanced portfolio which has funds, no-load funds and ETFs. We have dividend paying stock, stocks, stocks that increase their dividends, which you'll talk about some of the stocks that I've owned and some of the stocks I own now even. Um and some of the income guarantee stuff that's out there, which are basically no-load products that have like an, an annuity, lifetime annuity backup, if the market doesn't do well. But also in the balance portfolio, what can, it constitutes an alternative investment? So, for example, I think especially if tax laws change on incomes, things like master limited partnerships will become more attractive. And I'm not talking about the stuff that people bought in the 80s and lost money on. I'm talking about publicly traded stocks that um, what they do is they ship – Natural gas and oil through their pipelines, or transport it, and they really charge a toll for doing that so it's a, it's an income play and the way that the the tax structure works is that you get a lot of return of capital um, you get a lot of basically and you get a lot of income at the six to seven percent level and it's pretty tax favored but it's also in the form of a K one, which if anybody that's invested in these things, you know what a pain in the butt that is. There's ETFs that allow you to invest in those without getting that K one. Um, there's also ECNs, which are exchange traded notes, and those I don't like as much because then you're it's just a note, it's an uncollateralized debt obligation. So there's ways to get that type of an income. There's it's more volatile than a bond, Rob. I mean, it's going to move with oil prices, but the income there is, is the income is there and the tax favored income. It's very attractive to people that are going into retirement. There's also kind of spaces between stocks and bonds. So if you've got cash and you're not really wanting to go into bonds because interest rates are so low and you've got enough stocks already and you think things are fairly valued, what's an alternative investment? There's investments, and Morningstar has a whole category now. Um, For example, one fund that I've owned in the past, I don't own it right now, Gateway Fund. sells covered calls in the S&P 500 and uses that to buy protective puts. So you get a portion of the upside without all the downside risk. Join us tomorrow, wealth
1: preservation retirement planning event from 9 to noon. If you want a free ticket, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Otherwise sign up for the event at robblack.com. Both events at robblack.com.
0: Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial.